0: Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free lifestyle to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. it's Robbie from
1: chatting tracks happy Halloween um I just wanted to say thank you so much for your eternal support for the podcast you're all absolutely amazing I can see people downloading from like China and Italy and America Australia all over the world thank you so much for your um fantastic support and your emails saying you enjoy it that means a lot to me I'm just a guy sitting in a room with a microphone so sometimes it's nice to hear from people saying they enjoy stuff as well so thank you so much for that I've been developing a YouTube channel of Chatting Tracks. So if you go on there, there's um, some of the interviews. You can actually watch them. There's reaction videos to songs. And we'll be doing live streams as well with my friend Pete Saxer from the Unknown Sounds podcast. And we play a bit of music and we talk about music. So if that's something you fancy, um, hit the Chatting Tracks link in the description and you'll find it on there as well. As a way of saying thank you for your brilliant support and being such fantastic people checking out the Chatting Tracks podcast, uh, I'm going to play a documentary I made about Ghosts. Uh, I made it a few years ago. Um, And if you like it, hit me up in the email address, which is below as well. And let me know what you think. And if you like it, um, I might make some more documentaries. Yet again, there's nothing I can say, but thank you so much for your support. It's absolutely brilliant. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll see you on the next one. ta da House called Hungry Hall, a really really old house. And I was staying in the essentially the oldest part of the house, and the room the, the height of the door as you walked into the room was really really
0: low, so you had to sort of dip your head in, and it was sort of crooked windows and things like that. There was one night where I was lying, you know, wide awake, couldn't get to sleep.
2: And something like brush past my face as if someone's walking past you and then as i was lying there with my head on the pillow there was a mark on the wall by my head this happened what uh, 40 years ago
3: when i was a student in a residential hall way out into the country and i was sharing a room with two other people and um we decided to have a seance somebody's been given a seance board <laughs> uh, we're playing away at this and it spells out at the window and we all look at the windows and a kind of little shiver went through us all about two o'clock that morning middle of the night i woke up suddenly i heard this whistling straight above my head and it was the whistling of a giant
2: leather. So, so when i was 17 i started working in what was originally called Mary Burl Lunatic Asylum um, and it was built it was, it was a mental hospital essentially built in the 1800s so horrific things happened there and uh, it was a bank holiday Monday and it had snowed I don't know why I still remember that but I was stood outside having a cigarette and I looked up and on the third floor there was just a woman in a window she was wearing a white gown and she had long dark hair and while it sounds really stupid she didn't really have any discernible features except for her eyes. And the really weird thing was that we made eye contact and she sort of drifted away to the left.
1: Ghosts, from a figure in a white sheet to the headless horseman, from cartoons to blockbuster films. Ghosts have entertained, enthralled and fascinated us since the first century and beyond. But what are they and why are they here? To help answer some of these questions, I've spoken to experts up and down the country. But first things first, let me introduce myself. My name's Robbie, and about 15 years ago, I had a ghostly experience of my own. Let me tell you what happened. So it's two o'clock in the morning, and me and my then girlfriend are driving home in my car after a party. We heard the radio on because she was pretty tired, so we wasn't really talking. Now to get to my house, I went through this village. Now I've been through this village a thousand times, day and night, and nothing unusual really happened. And at the end of the village, on the right-hand side, there's a church built in Norman times. so it's fair to say it's been there a really long while. Running along the length of the church is a wall made of stone, which is about four foot high, with a gap at one end for obviously people to come in and out. Now, the road itself had speed humps and had streetlights all the way along each side of it, so it's fairly well lit as well. And at the time, I had a Rover Metro car, which wasn't a very big car, so it's had to slow down for the speed humps, and I was going about, I don't know, 10 miles an hour. Now I spotted walking along the church wall a guy and he had dark hair, dark jacket, blue jeans and white trainers. Now it was night time but I could see him really well and I remember thinking that at the time. And eventually when I got level to where he was, I turned and he wasn't there. Now I was watching him the whole way because obviously I didn't know if he was drunk or if he was lost or whatever, as it was two o'clock in the morning. But when my bumper hit where he would have been, he absolutely disappeared. And I looked in my mirror just in case he was tying up his shoes or he jumped over the fence, but he just wasn't there. So I said out loud, oh. And my then girlfriend said, you saw him as well, didn't you? And I said, saw who? And she said, the guy, the guy. And I said, describe the guy. And she said he had dark hair, black jacket, blue jeans, white trainers. And I said, where did he go? And she said, he didn't go anywhere. He just disappeared. And I said, what do you mean he disappeared? She said, like a light being switched off. He just disappeared. And I said, where did he go? And she kept saying, he didn't go anywhere. He didn't go anywhere. And I was like, oh, all right. And she said, just drive, just drive. We've got to go home. Anyway, once we got home, my girlfriend at the time was completely shaken up and we had to have the lights on all night. And it took her a good couple of weeks to get over what happened. Now, I don't believe in ghosts, but I know what I saw and I can't explain it. And that's why I've made this documentary. So please join me as we look into the world of ghosts. Let's go right back to the beginning and find out what I could have seen that night.
3: Well, the first and most obvious thing you probably saw was a man Wearing a leather jacket, blue
1: jeans, and these white trainers. Paranormal investigator and author, Steve Parsons.
3: That has to be the most obvious, because that's what you described seeing. Now, the mystery isn't that he was there. The mystery is that he went away again, and where did he go? Um now at any time did you did you go back and revisit that stretch and look for, you know, the obvious ways he could he have fallen into a ditch, for example. Um could he have just turned turned and jumped over a wall and made a shortcut across a, a field or a garden. And I I just think that
4: when we look at ghosts, they are very different to when we're working with spirit because ghosts are they are like a, a, a video clip of time. Psychic
1: Grant Coyer.
4: And you know, just because he was near a church didn't mean to say he was going back to his grave. What I'm saying here is, is that that man could have walked that path many times and he might have died down the road or something, but there may be a connection to his surroundings.
3: I mean, we have to we have to start from the basis of your experience is a real experience. Um, I think it's, you know, your only description of it is, and your only perception of it is as you describe it. Um, and you have to then start off with the most likely scenario that there was somebody there. Um, and if, if there was somebody there, the question is, how were they not there? Um, what distracted you for a moment? I mean, I can recall from driving um, around, all of a sudden you look—you know, you, you look in the rearview mirror, there's nothing there. You glance up again a few seconds later, and there's a vehicle sitting on your tailgate that was never there before almost like it was you know for a moment you, where did that come from so we we don't observe with 100% clarity um, all of the time, even when we think that we're very good observers and we think that we're sort of well aware of a situation that's going on. When you're driving, there are a lot of distractions. Uh, you know, you're watching your speed because of speed humps, you're, you know, you're watching your full 360 degrees, and it would only take a matter of seconds for you to you know, be glancing at your speedometer, perhaps glancing at one of your mirrors. How long does it take to jump over a wall or fall over? So I'm not saying that's what took place, but that's one possibility that, that would need to be considered uh, and put up onto the you know the list of things that need to be ruled out before you say, I saw, you know, anybody could say oh, you saw a ghost.
1: To get a psychological aspect on what I could have seen that night, I asked psychiatrist Sarah Jones.
2: What we do know about the brain is that, you know, and in terms of perception, really, is that... Um we will naturally want to um, complete a picture. So that's our brain's natural tendency in terms of perception. So, you know, there's tons of kind of perceptual pictures and things like that that you can, you know, these days everything's on Google that we can look at. Um, But if you look at perception, um, you know, it's really interesting because we will naturally want to join the dots or instinctively do that. So for example, if you kind of, if you drew a circle and you had a kind of missing piece out of it, like almost like the letter C, your brain would, would identify that as a circle because it would want to join it up. So there's something about you know our, um, our instinctive uh, uh, ability to kind of adapt and problem solve and what have you in that we um, would get certain pieces of information and then we would add the other bits to it, whether they're there or not, which is often why there, there can be so much question about you know, people seeing spirits or ghosts or experiencing things because there can be certain things, certain elements of that, but it's not a complete concrete experience. So there's still question marks of it, but it forms a very concrete picture in the mind. But
4: I do feel that it all depends on the time, of when something happens. The particular area of of where you were, what light you were standing in, what it was that was making that energy of an apparition show. Mm -hmm. On two occasions now, it's been certain different energies of, of things. One's been very wet, damp conditions, and one was also in full moonlight why we still don't know why but there's certain activities of ghosts where people have seen ghosts why it's been damp wet conditions is that atmospheric within the energy of what we're seeing within able to pick up on the time dimensional shift is there certain times of the year it it could be many possibilities it could be that there was a shift in a time dimensional energy there was something that you were seeing
3: at that time that brought that 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 figure forward go back and revisit the scene at that sort of under those sort of similar conditions um to see if it was possible for perhaps you know somebody to walk along there and dodge out of sight but i i, I would very much start off with a basis you saw a person uh i mean i'm not i'm i am not i i can not even say that the person was living or dead. you saw a person
1: so some interesting questions have already been raised did i see a person did i think i see a person did the weather and objects around me maybe think i see a shape that looked like a person the person I saw was solid and moving, and when we lay in this story to John Hipsey, author and tour guide of the Canterbury Ghost Tours, he told me that he had a
5: similar experience. My best friend and I, Miles Parker, would uh, readily run away from school, because we hated it. So one day we decided to run away to Florida, I thought Florida was near Maidstone, so I didn't do geography, and uh, my friend was supposed to meet around 9.30 and in you know, theory we'd be in Maidstone by morning, it was not a very long way, it was only about 10 miles. And uh, my friend never showed up at the right time, so I waited round the bike sheds until about midnight. And so I went back to the bedroom and I could hear and smell Miles before I saw him. And uh, so I uh, let him sleep, and about 4.30 he came to my bed. I said, oh, I didn't want to go anywhere at 4.30. So the next morning I didn't well, i hadn't really sleep very well, I got up quite early for, for breakfast, and I saw the headmaster again, who he, he said, where's Miles? And I said, oh, he's having a lie-in. I don't want to say run away to Florida, because I'm no snitch. And. Uh, Thought i got away with it. And then about 4.30 that day, the whole school was called into the assembly rooms to be addressed by the headmaster and Kent police, who told us that Miles had been killed the night before precisely 4.30. So what I'd seen was not a ghost, but some called a crisis apparition, I found out later might call them gates but they're sort of apparitions solid as you're right? I mean Miles you couldn't see through him and nor could other boys the interesting thing was that his father had the same vision apparition whatever in Manchester that same night and called the school because he was concerned about his son thought it may be a dream or just why was he thinking and they said well he's he just had an argument in the dormitory at 4.30 so hmm. so he thought oh that's fine it's just my imagination and then the next morning of course he was called by Kent Police to tell that his son was dead it, you know it does happen
1: so like in John's story I could have said one or two things I could have seen a ghost or maybe a spirit. I wasn't sure what the difference was so I asked psychic Grant Coyer. Do
4: you remember the old photographs that you used before digital come in and somewhere you'd get like a negative over the other one and you'd see something from the other photograph and you'd see like an overlap. Well, that's what I believe that spirit is, is an overlap. When we see a ghost, it's an overlap. I believe in time is what we're seeing within an apparition or a ghost. I mean, you know, we, we look at, Going into, uh, when we look at ghost investigation, we're looking at, oh, a ghost is a spirit. No, it's not. It's completely two different things. Because a ghost is something that is connected to that building that we're relating in time. So say, for instance, you're up at uh, Henry VIII's uh, castles, and then suddenly you'll see Anne Boleyn walk by you as as a ghostly figure. That's an image of time. And many people will see that ghost do the same thing. Um, and it's amazing how many people say, Oh, I saw that same thing in that same spot because it may have been the strongest time or the strongest memory back within it. it. Doesn't mean to say that ghost or spirit is a ghost is standing there, particularly in that time of the time. Why? Why would they? Why would they stand there looking out of a window 24 7? What's the point of that? Uh, they would have had more than a life than that. But over like courses of months and years, everyone's saying, Well, I saw Anne standing there at a window. I'm sure she wouldn't have stood there for
0: all, all of her time. So, yeah, that's why. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news ad free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to Amazon.com slash ad free lifestyle to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of A-cast shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Today, we discuss Miro. Today, I want to talk about the hellscape that is technical diagramming, right? Everybody's nodding their heads right now, uh-huh. And there is a potential solution that I want to share. There was one name that several people brought up. I did some digging, and it's kind of nuts how much this program Miro has for developers. I have to share this. It could potentially be a game changer for you. So my favorite part about Miro is that half the work is already done. Like right now, typically we spend hours starting diagrams from scratch, gathering information. You get buy-in from every team. Uh, You know, that's a lot of work to do. But Miro has a full set of integrations with the tools you're probably already using. And they also offer open APIs and SDKs for custom solutions for all those niche diagram use cases we have to do, right? So the end result is the same, but it doesn't take forever. It's a massive, massive time saver. I'm transforming basic flowcharts and network architectures, and it all lives in one place. So are you using Miro? Have you used it? I want to hear. That's M-I-R-O dot com.
4: a glimmer of time. It's like a, a negative.
1: While doing some research for this documentary, I came across the idea of stone tape theory. Now, the idea behind this is certain materials, say mud and stone, can record vibrational frequencies, like an old cassette player. And if the pressure in the atmosphere is right, it will play it back, thus creating sounds or an image. Which could explain why, when ghosts are seen, they appear to do the same thing over and over again.
5: There was an experience down Cornwall, wasn't there, a couple of years ago, where they put a electrical current through a, uh, a mud wall, and they claimed they got the sounds of the pass through it. It's possible that, I mean, it... A, a, uh, an event such as the death of Mary Queen of Scots. It's quite possible that, that horrible, angry event embedded itself in the surrounding atmosphere. with so much passion and so much anger. It's quite possible that if you went to that castle and you know plugged the wall in, so if it were possible, to or on an the side, you could theoretically get something out of it. And the death of Beckett, uh, theoretically, his ghost still walks around the cloister. But then the strange thing is they say that the ghost walks around the cloister, but the cloister wasn't built for 160 years after his death. Well-
4: the question mark is, why do spirits show their self and what is causing that energy? I think that's about being a recording of time being played back. You know, many people would say, oh, I've seen a woman um, stand on the corner of a street and many people have seen that. So that's not that one person connecting with that spirit. That's loads of people seeing that apparition that's been recorded. A bit like Bluebell Hill, everyone sees the bride um, halfway up, you know, there's a petrol garage as you're driving up on the right hand side and the- you go, over there there's a cemetery down that way and apparently she was jilted at the altar she ran up and she was killed she ran into the road uh and all in hysterics and she died and everybody sees her Um, at certain times of the year maybe again is this atmospheric is it a time when we are maybe not really concentrating and maybe we're not fully aware of what's going on around us and we are slightly at a daze, maybe our mind is shifting. Um, Everything crosses at a right time for it to happen.
1: So did I see an apparition repeating itself over and over and over again, or was that experience tailored just for me? I asked paranormal investigator and ghost hunter Steve Parsons, how would this be professionally investigated?
3: Well, first thing is we we never set out to prove or disprove anything um, because effectively we can't. Um, What we can do is to try to understand your experience. We weren't there. Uh, You had that experience, we're playing catch up. So we have to take what you say at face value because for you, whatever your experience was, was a real experience. Uh, it's rather like in, in medicine, um, when a patient describes how much pain they're in, there is no way of measuring that pain. The doctor is entirely reliant upon the pain uh, scale, which is a scale from uh, 0 to 10 or 1 to 10. What is excruciatingly painful for you might be you know, a flesh wound for somebody else. Rather like with the paranormal, uh, we weren't there when you had your experience or uh, wherever you were in your haunted house. So the only information we have to go on at that early stage is your testimony, uh, your subjective experience, your account of what took place. What we can then seek to do is to test that claim. Could you, for example, have seen what you have seen from where you were? are there any logical explanations that spring to mind? That doesn't mean to say that if we can come up with a logical explanation, it dismisses the, uh, the experience itself. It just provides another possibility. Once, we, once we've come up with some ideas, we can then perhaps test them. So, for example, if we believe it might be neighbours or it might be plumbing or it might be building settling, or a whole raft of other uh, potentials, what we can do is we can we can be there at the same sort of time under the same sort of conditions uh, that you had your original experience in, the hope um, of experiencing the, them for ourselves, uh, being able to record that event, and trying to understand more about it. So, it's never been about um, debunking. It's never been about proving the existence of the paranormal. I mean both of which are phenomenally difficult to do. We can never prove the paranormal simply
1: because we don't know what it is. For ghost hunter and paranormal investigator Steve Parsons, seeing a ghost or something unusual is just a walk in the park. But what about the average person? I asked Sarah Jones, what can the psychological effects of seeing a ghost do to a person?
2: The body would kind of kick into this... this um. Uh, a kind of adrenaline response, if you like, this this fight or flight response as though you're responding to to a threat that that's what would kick in with the body. People will experience that this is unexpected or out of the blue, you know, just not associated to anything else. So it's kind of like that shock factor as well. The, the symptoms, the physiological symptoms that you describe your girlfriend having of, you know, fear of kind of shaking and being frightened or, um, or it could be sweaty for some people or feeling nauseous. You know, those are also um, symptoms that you would have um, if you were in shock.
1: So after a few days, the event became something to tell my friends and family about. And to me, it was mysterious and wonderful. But my then girlfriend, who was with me in the car at the time of the experience, had a much more difficult time processing what happened. For many weeks, she had to sleep with the lights on. She wouldn't be by herself in or outside the house, and she would unexpectedly start crying. I asked Sarah Jones, how would these symptoms have been treated? If
2: one experienced it as being significantly traumatic, um, then potentially you could have a kind of like a post-traumatic stress effect, which would be kind of the long-term anxiety and flashbacks and kind of recalling the events and maybe, you know, avoiding it. So we would associate that uh, diagnosis with be post-traumatic uh, stress because usually it's associated or it would be associated with having a traumatic experience. And whatever that traumatic experience, it would be categorised as an experience that felt significant enough for you to feel threatened.
1: My curiosity led me to seek out a similar experience as that night. John Hipsey of Canterbury Ghost Tours very kindly took me on a tour one dark evening to tell me the stories he's heard over the years.
5: It's a very pretty street though, I mean if you look out there you can see Bell Harry Tower ahead of us. And Bell Harry is one of the only towers in England to be built of brick and faced with stone. Although well, it looks solid stone as you like. Mm. And then on the other side of the street we've got tiny Tim's. And mm. here you can see, looking through there, you can see the uh, the original windows at the back. There's a medieval property. Mm-hmm. And in the middle there you can see rectangular shape of bricks in the fireplace. Mm-hmm. That's the entrance to the priest's hole. And the priest's hole is where they opened up in 1995. To find the bodies of a mother and seven children inside it. Yeah, well, they've been buried, well, they died of natural causes, well, smallpox, sort of natural. And they just buried him in well, the Well, they buried and... inside the, in, because that was the priest's access panel, and uh, the priest would have died around the same time, they reckon. Our clerical trust showed that they died of natural causes, and they were buried in there to stop them being murdered by Parliament, because the Parliament army of Cromwell said they found any Catholics, would take them out and burn them which although you know, we do cremation now, then it meant you're burning in hell. Mm. So to stop them being burned in hell, they're buried inside the property, mm. which meant they had to bury the priest with them. Through the gate, you know, mm-hmm. behind that is a stone cross. That's Lucy Keane's grave. She was disinterred in uh, about uh, 1926. They were rebuilding the house along here, which is now a uh, warden partner's uh, estate Agents. They sealed the doorway up because it was so windy and cold. Every time somebody came through this window here, this doorway, they would... Uh, there'd be an unnatural coldness inside the house. And then the image of a ghost, of a girl, about 18 years old, would be seen on this staircase up here. See the staircase up there? And if you look, you see there's a ceiling leaning across it. Well, the ceiling was, from the middle of the 16th century, or 17th century, uh, sealed up. So this was the exit to the priest's hole. Hmm. And uh, they sealed it up to keep the priest in. And then uh, from about 1700 till... Uh, 1926 this ghost was seen on this staircase but only when somebody walked through this doorway mm. and when they were sealing up the doorway they found the remains of a gravestone down here but when uh, when they removed the gravestone down here they found the remains of a little girl with the remains of a linen collar and a grey smock. She was called the Quaker Girl, but then everybody around that period was sort of Quaker, sort of Puritan type creature. Mm. And uh, the back of the skull was missing, suggesting an execution of some kind, but buried in consecrated ground, so it's possible that she was a. might have been accused of witchcraft and then found wanting, There there's quite a lot of witch burnings around that time, mm. and then reburied in consecrated ground. This church of St. Margaret, if you stand by now. I know, you see the uh, vent hole on the side here, mm-hmm. filled with chewing gum already. That vent hole takes down to the uh, the cellars beneath, the uh, crypt. And the crypt was uh, first built around uh, 1408. And in 1408, there was a uh, cholera epidemic in the city, which um, there were so many dead, there weren't enough living to take the dead out of the city. So they buried in the city churches. And this is one of the big pits, ah, cholera right. pits.
1: So it's underneath where we're standing,
5: is it? Yeah, well, it's, it's under the church, the altar bit. And uh, so Margaret, as you probably know, is the female version of St George, mm. a painter of St Day's similar sort of period. And... Um, the, uh, in the 1970s, a group of people called vandals came here. the uh, lord of our citizens. Uh, they came here, and the vicar wouldn't give them a key to the church, oddly. Uh, so uh, they broke in the back door. They basically stood on a slab while hitting it with a couple of sledgehammers, which is never a good idea. It did say in Latin, do not break the Holy Seal on pain of death. But, uh, you know, uh, carefully as you go in. Basically, they, uh, when they, when they broke the slab, they fell... Forty-nine feet into the void. It's one of the deepest vaults in England. This one, hmm. and uh, their cries for help were ignored by local people for three days and three nights. They, they found themselves in the vault. Eventually, they were rescued. They ingested smallpox bacillus and uh, cholera bacillus from the corpses surrounding them. Hmm. They'd broken their legs and their back in the fall, uh, but uh, water or moisture dripped on top of them. I think they must have assumed there was a sprinkler system built in 1408 that allowed them, you know, to be special watered, but. Uh, what they were ingesting was uh, vitreous humor eyes of corpses they started to leak the temperature inside the pit we know before they went in was roughly around one degree centigrade humidity of zero it's a dry pit and as they broke the cast top head the temperature went up and so the humidity so they uh, they ingested bacillus and they died two weeks later Small
1: walking down a dark high street and hearing the stories certainly sets the mood and john was telling me that his ghost tours are busy every evening so every day people are coming to be scared and entertained at the same time. But why do some of us find it amusing and some of us find it frightening? I asked Sarah Jones, "Why are we frightened of ghosts?" I
2: suppose I would say it's the unknown um, that would come to my mind as the kind of uh, the most common answer to that. I think um, as a species we we find security and comfort in something that we know. So I think, you know, we quite like things that we can touch and feel and see and experience um, and we find kind of comfort in that. So, you know, often, so for example, within my psychotherapy practice, I often see people with with anxiety, with um, depression, with post-traumatic stress, um, with a lot of psychological disorders, if you like, um, that often are brought about by a feeling of, um, lack of control and, and not knowing. So, not knowing what's happened or why that's happened. So, a bit like what you're describing, you know, a little elements of that, if you like, uh, you know, you're describing a little element of that, this kind of wondering of, yeah, but why, but why? Um, and I think often that's, that is very fear inducing. So, it, it, it kind of leaves, it can often leave one feeling quite insecure that my logical mind can't make sense of it. So I find it difficult to to feel comfortable with that. I was
1: curious to find out that if I'd seen the ghost of somebody I recognised, say an old family member or friend, would the experience be more frightening and more comforting? I asked psychic Grant Coyer. But
4: most ghosts are people that we don't recognise or don't see and this is where it comes into the confliction. Where Yes, you have got that side where we can see or we are in that transitional state or we're in half state where we, we are seeing something with our minds' eye. Right. But when we're seeing a ghost or we're seeing something that is unexpected, that I've always felt that it was different. It's different. It's a caught-in-time feel. And that's the way I can ex- sort of explain the two differences within it. And we are all open to the energy of what we see as a time thing, it's a bit like deja vu. Think of deja vu, but now think of it as seeing something within a deja vu. Ghost is different because it is, it's a reflection of time. It's something we see. Now, does it mean to say that it's connected to you personally? Not necessarily. You know, many people see ghosts, but they don't see ghosts of their grandmothers or grandfathers. Normally when people do see their grandmothers or grandfathers, they are are being shown them, they are being shown by the mind's eye, and it can form within what we see within our concept of our own vision. So say for instance, um, when we are leaving the airplane, many people report the energy of seeing their mother or father at the end of the bed and then suddenly they passed away a week later. What we have to remember is is that the body's shutting down already. We're already transitioning because the body's preparing us to leave. So we're half out of that state already. So that's why we're seeing the energy of our father or our grandmother or whatever coming to greet us to take us to the other side. So we feel comfortable within that transition.
1: Investigating ghosts in the paranormal has been like a large ball of string. The more I've pulled at the string, the more answers I've got, but then more questions are raised, which was leading me to discover more answers. I still don't believe in ghosts, but I still know what I saw that night, and maybe this is one of those things in life that will never be explained, or maybe one day an answer will present itself. I've been Robbie, and thank you for joining me on this journey to try and discover what happened to me 15 years ago on that dark, mysterious, fantastic and scary evening. This documentary couldn't have been made without the help of psychic Grant Coyer, psychiatrist Sarah Jones, tour guide and author John Hipsey, everybody that kindly donated a story for me, and ghost hunter, author, and paranormal investigator Steve Parsons. This was an old Dolly production. One more thing before I go, please don't have nightmares. But if you do, please make sure they're spooktacular.
0: Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free lifestyle to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.